0: Well, good morning, how are you today? Welcome back, and it's good to be in the presence of the Lord together, isn't it? We're gonna look today at a culture-shaping parable, and it's amazing, isn't it, that we have a God that would leave the multitudes and go after the one. Isn't that true? He would leave the multitudes and go after the one that is hurting and the one that is lost, and uh, we are starting a two-week series today on the one, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, We're going to look at this parable that's commonly known as the prodigal son. That's how we know it. And this is a story of love from the heart of the Father, from God. And we realize this as you look in Scripture, that parables are illustrations and analogies that Jesus used to teach bigger kingdom realities to people that were around him. And in these parables, he had a mixed crowd of people. He had his disciples, people he was ministering to, and many times he had religious folks in the crowd. But I want to just let you know right from the beginning today, I am committed as a pastor of this church where anybody is welcome. Amen? Anybody is welcome here. You may have a church background. You may not have a church background. You may have been part of a denomination or no denomination. You might have a lifestyle that's even questionable. There may be any multitude of races, ethnicities, or financial background among us, gender, whatever it may be. Anyone is welcome to come to Abundant Life Church. Anybody is welcome to come to Abundant Life Church and be wrecked like Jesus. That's what I want to say. Amen? And so we are not here to build a club for people and feel good about each other. That's called the mall. I just want you to know that, okay? That's the mall. That's not here, okay? That's what that's about. What we're about is change lives. We're about changed lives, and you're welcome to come and let Jesus mess you up. That's a great thing, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way, that, that we don't discriminate. Now, if you are a threat, we might have to take you down, hold you down, and pray for you a little bit longer, so don't be a threat, okay? That's, that, we're not welcoming that. Everybody is welcome to come and meet Jesus. We have a culture of invitation, and anybody is welcome to come here. The context in Luke chapter 15 Jesus is doing ministry, and he starts hanging out with people who look questionable, particularly tax collectors and sinners. Verse 1 of Luke 15. The tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus. Isn't it cool that God draws people to himself? Jesus is constantly drawing people to himself, and the Pharisees, you see this, there's a super strict, they that's what they represent, a super strict Jewish religious people, folks, and the scribes. You know, and imagine this, the scribe's job was to write copies of scripture from sun up to sun down six days a week. That was their job. Aren't you thankful for a Xerox copy machine now? Well, that was their job. Write down the scripture. They scribed it all day long. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying this. This man receives sinners and eats with them too. It's one thing to be with sinners. It's another thing to go to Cracker Barrel with them. You know, right? I love Jesus' response to that in Luke chapter 15. He tells three parables about lost people. First was the parable of the lost coin. Then is the parable of the lost sheep. And then is the parable of the lost son, what we're going to talk about today. The point is, Jesus would always go after the one. Can you say the one with me? The one. Luke 15, 11, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And in other words, I want to cash out my inheritance. And he paused a moment. Could you imagine being this boy's dad? Like, I'm not even dead. I'm not even sick, and he's wanting his inheritance right now. And here's the, the process of inheritance in that culture. A father would work hard and leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children. The father would divide his inheritance by the number of kids he has plus one. So this case, he has two sons that he would take his inheritance and divide it into three portions. The older, the other brother, the oldest son would get the double portion and the younger one would get one. Family dynamics are amazing, aren't they? And if you don't think they're crazy sometimes, just go to a family reunion. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they are. There is the younger son, and it is often the case, this kid is a free spirit at heart. He is a party waiting to happen, and you know who you are here. He loves the limelight. He likes it when people pay attention to him. He wants to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. He can light up the room. It's charming. But to tell the truth, He's spoiled. He's kind of immature and he's kind of entitled and kind of impulsive and he's pretty good at getting what he wants. You know, like I'm the baby. You gotta love me, right? I mean that's it. And so that's kind of his mantra. And that's the baby in the families. The researchers say that's just the way they are. Who in here is The younger, come on, can I see your hands? Okay, we see that, you're the younger, you represent. Then there's the firstborn, it's the older boy, you know, follows the rules, colors inside the lines, always made his bed, always cleaned his room, always got good grades, perfectionist. Not only achiever, but overachiever, role model, but he's kind of bossy, kind of bossy. When they were little, you know, he'd kind of make his younger brother feel, you know, inadequate, And people admired him from a distance, but to tell the truth, they didn't always like being around this guy. He's kind of judgmental and proud, and he's the firstborn. And researchers say that's just the way they are. Can I see the hands of those that are older in the room? I see your hands. Thank you. You will notice there is not a middle child in this story because researchers say middle children tend to be the healthiest and well-adjusted children of the whole entire family. Can I see the hands of the middle child in this room? Wow, I've got a vocal bunch there. Okay. So what Jesus is doing, he's just recognizing he's recognizing this reality. And one day the younger son shatters the family. Old man, I'm tired of waiting around for you to die, so let's just pretend like you're dead and give me everything today. So the younger comes and says, hey, can I cash out early? And the father did, verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off from a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living, for yours may say reckless living. This is where we get the term, commonly known as the prodigal son. When he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. He's in a far country, he spent recklessly. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that other country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Can I tell you why Jesus really used this analogy? Is Jewish people did not deal with pigs. They don't eat pork. They don't touch them. They are outcast animals. Jesus is deepening the distance of this kid from his father. This is how far removed this kid is from his father. This is what he is trying to show. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Imagine being so destitute and being so broke. He's he's homeless. He's going to eat what the pigs are going to eat. How destitute is that? Far from his father, blown it, and culturally in shambles. When he came to himself, your scripture may say, your version may say senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Look at the wording here. And I will set out, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servant. Three point sermon. Number one, I have sinned against heaven and you. Number two, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Number three, treat me as one of your hired servants. So he got up and he goes to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And there are loads of reasons why this is so culturally inappropriate. Jesus is telling an analogy is a parable. To religious people, they would have been saying in that day, this guy eats with sinners and hangs with them. So Jesus is telling the story of the harp of the father who saw the son that was a very far off and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Know this, that in that culture, a father would always send runners. You would never have seen a grown man with property and wealth hike up his man dress and start running. You wouldn't see it. It was inappropriate. But if you remember David dancing in the Old Testament, spinning around before the Lord. They said it was shameful, and they said it was undignified. It would have been undignified for this father to run to his son. The son said to him, Scripture says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In that three point sermon, the father interrupts and said to the servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. There's something about the father clothing his son with a robe, and later it will be called the robe of righteousness. There's something about putting a ring of identification on his boy and say, You are back in the family and you belong here, and put some shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Kill it, let's have a feast and let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Then the older brother says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was working the field to get his inheritance. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He said, your brother has come and replied, your father has, was, has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And it's in that moment that we see from scripture that he became angry. Are you kidding me? So his father comes out and pleads with this older son. He, he, he not only loved the younger son, but he loved the older brother. But he answered his father and said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And so the older brother here, he has a complaining spirit and he starts telling why he is entitled to this. He even says, but when this son of yours, it's, it's not even my little brother at this point. It's this your son of yours with a son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes, has come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, you were always with me, and everything I have was yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. The characters, characters of the parables represent something, right? The inheritance represents something as well. The double portion of the first son, that's the one who is in line, ready to receive this inheritance when the father dies and the, and the younger would get their cut of the inheritance with the younger son. But the younger son asking for his cut first was an absolute slam to the father. And what he was saying by this was, I would rather have your stuff than your presence." I would rather have what you have, the stuff you have, rather than being in your presence. And that's what he's really asking for in this moment. And now the term prodigal, say prodigal with me. When, when, when starting the story, Jesus said a man had two sons. Jesus never called him a prodigal. We have a concept in our mind that's negative towards prodigals because we've heard it for so many years. We look at it and say prodigals are the ones far from God. They're wayward. They're this old term backslidden. You've heard of that. This, this, this implies sin, right? Remember the moment, you know, when, when, when you were able to apply for your own credit card? You were 19 years of age. I mean, you were just felt free. I mean, you remember that moment? I mean, you remember, I remember that. Wow, wow, I'm in college. I can get my own credit card without my mom and dad? Yeah, and you get the bill the next month too, and your parents don't pay for that. How many of you got the T-shirt on that one? You, yeah, you got, the, you got that. We, we have no idea that he was actually in sin, but the word prodigal by definition means lavish spender, reckless spender. It never means wayward or sinner. He, he spent recklessly. That's what made him a prodigal. Then we get to the character of the younger son. This was the son that walked away, who abandoned the father, who became an outsider and shunned. And Jesus introduces the character of the younger son to represent a sinner or just someone that's far from God. Today, Our world is full of younger sons and daughters who are far from God. And however far you are from God, Jesus would introduce you into the parable as the younger son. Then we've got the older brother. He is not the hero of the story. He is the heir apparent to the father. He is the one in the house. He's entitled to receive the lion's share of inheritance. He was hardworking. He stayed in the lane. He stayed inside the boundaries that the father expected, and he has the right to the inheritance of the father. He didn't care for the younger brother, but he only cared for what was his. And in the parable, the older brother represents the religious in the crowd that Jesus is confronted by. He eats with sinners. Jesus said these younger sons are coming to the table, and you guys are so consumed with yourselves that you're not even seeing them come. I believe in many churches older brothers still exist. Then we've got the father. It's interesting the loving father had a relationship with both sons, didn't he? He didn't bandit the older for the younger, the younger for the older. He had a relationship with both of them. And he says to the older brother, you are already here. You are already in the family and everything that I have is going to be yours. Your inheritance is assured. Kind of like us, we have proximity to the Father. Your relationship is assured. We know that heaven is our inheritance, but the loving Father also allowed the younger son to go away, do his own thing, and take what he wanted. The loving Father we know and have heard represents the heart of God, our heavenly Father who has room in his house, not only for those that are in the family, but the heart of the Father is always making room for those that are outside of the family to come home. That is the heart of the Father, and that is the heart of this church. This, this is why this church was built, to always go after the one who is lost, That he loves us no matter what without condition, and we can't even earn it. And sometimes that digs at us and and it bothers us that we can't even earn that. We come by faith alone. He forgives without demand, without condition. We can't earn it. And I see these characters, and that represents us that we all fit in one of these characters. And my question today to you is where are you in the story? where and who are you and where do you need to be as you listen to the story today you pick a character now let me just say this you are not Jesus okay you are not someone's like oh I'll play Jesus no he doesn't need you to play him okay if you thought you're Jesus you're probably the older brother okay (laughs) let's just kind of leave put that out there okay the heart of the younger brother is meant to symbolize anyone who is far from God, anyone who is away from God. Whether you have rejected God, you've chosen to go your own way in the family for a season, you thought, I want my inheritance in heaven, and heaven is a good idea, right? I mean, heaven is a good idea. Is that, that's right, church? That's right. And you know, the problem is, some are shopping their options. You know, what's the temperature in hell gonna be like? Can I get a tan down there? That is never a good place. I just want you to know that, okay? Heaven is always a good idea, always. Because we know that hell is distance from the Father. He wants the inheritance of heaven, but we want to abandon the relationship with the Father. That's the person who says yes to eternity and not a relationship with the Father. Most people in the world want the life after to be better, but most people struggle to connect with the Father here on earth. The heart of the younger brother is a heart that allows you to leave. You may have chosen to reject God. You may have chosen to push away. You may have been wounded, and you may be hurting younger brother is is the one who wants his own way and ultimately is a rejection of the Father. And I want to say this. If you are trying to live your life out of the will and out of the word and out of the way of God, you might have to admit today that you have a younger brother spirit and a younger brother heart. I think churches have younger brothers in them all the time And our whole culture outside of the body of Christ is younger brothers. They're they're men and women that are far from God. They need to come into proximity of the Father. They need to come back into the field. They need to come back into right relationship with the heavenly Father who's looking to the hills for them to return. We will be a church where younger brothers are always welcome. And I just want to say that here today, that our heart is is that we will be a church where younger brothers are always welcome to come. Listen, if all you want is heaven and and not life here, you might be a younger brother, a, a younger son, and the end of that life is not good. It's not good. Thankfully, he came to his senses. You can have all the money, but if you don't have the father, you're like the Jewish boy begging for the slop of pigs. There's a better way, and God is trying to bring you to your senses, and he has mercy, and there's mercy for you today. Think of the older brother. It's powerful and hard to deal with. It is those who are the outsiders, the, the one who thought that they had a or insiders, I should say, the ones that thought they had an inside track to heaven, they were obeying the law and keeping themselves clean. They were good at including people and keeping people out that didn't act like them and people that did not look like them. And the older brother is the one who who needs more correction from Jesus than the younger son. I mean, at least the younger son came to his senses the the older brother fought all the way the older brother is critical he is controlling he cares more about self than for others and i am so convinced that younger brothers are desperate to get to the father Younger men and women are are really desperate to get to the Father. They put up a lot of different masks and a lot of different facades many times, and we think that they are not interested at all. And in reality, they are. The older brother was so preoccupied with the field. And many times churches many times are full of older brothers accusing younger brothers who are trying to get back into the presence of the Father, and they are met at the door with scandal and shame. They could be racist. They could believe in another denomination. They may be involved in a call. They may be gay. They may be lesbian. They don't have enough money. And many times they are shamed out of the presence of the father. You know, he's a bum. She's a failure. They're not like us, dad. He blew everything you gave him. Do you know what the father didn't do? He didn't let the younger brother just wallow around in the mud. And just say, hey, stay where you are. No, he cleaned him up. He put a ring on his finger and a robe of righteousness back on him. And he gives him the ring of the family's name. And he restores his dignity, his identity, and gives him a pair of shoes. He was dead and now he is alive. Sometimes the younger sons and daughters are met at the door of churches many times. They're told to stay out. What? you're failure. Who are you? I mean, come on. You walked away from the faith years ago. You should just live in that slop. Stay there. But it is not what the father did. He loved both of these boys. He cared desperately about them. He was dead, the father's saying. He is now alive. A- ALC is a place where loving fathers have met the younger brothers with open arms. Because why? Because that is the father heart of God. Amen. I I don't care how you got here. I don't care that there is pig crap all over your face. You're home in Jesus' name. You're home. Now the heart of the loving father, the the loving father was watching the hills. The, The heart of the father is always looking for the missing. I want you to know that today. The heart of the father is always looking for the missing, the one, the one who is not here. Look around today. We're thankful that there's a lot of people here, but that's not what it's all about because listen, there are many people that are missing from our midst today. There are missing sons and daughters of the King of the Lord Most High that are not in our midst today, that are not in a church at all. There are many people that are in homes in this community, in your neighborhood, and really maybe have rejected God altogether. They are the missing. They are the ones that God has called us to go after. That is the father heart of God. If you ever wonder about it, that is his heart. And and I just pray today that this would go into your spirit and this would just provoke you. And I I prayed, Father, just that your spirit would just come upon this church in in a more powerful way on this. That that we would be like you. That we we, we would go after the missing. We would go after the ones that are not here yet, but they are coming. When you look at Luke 15, you don't see the Father looking for the found, do you? How many of you know where your cell phone is at right now? Yeah. It's when you lose it, you go, oh man, uh, where's my phone? One of the worst feelings is credit cards, not where you thought you left it, right? Right? Or, wait, where's one of my kids? We came in the store together, and they're gone. You know, don't you love the hide-and-seek gang? They're underneath the rack of clothes. You and I don't stress when something is in our pocket. It's while the son was still far away, the father saw him and ran to him. This is so beautiful. The heart of God to those that are missing, we don't exist for us, we exist for those that are missing. Why? Because that is the heart of the Father. It is awesome that we're here today. We need this encouragement. We need to be we need to celebrate, but in just a moment, we, our heart needs to go after the missing. To those that are lost. To those that have not been found yet. Guess who was the real prodigal in the story? The Father. Who was the lavish spender in the story? The father. Who was the reckless spender in the story? The father. Whoa. He starts spending on the younger because my son was dead and now he is alive. We will spend money on those that are far from God because it is the heart of the father to do that right here at Abundant Life Church. And older brothers will go, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! Why do they have those lights on the stage? It's not for you as a believer. It's for the missing! I can't believe they don't sing those songs. It's for the missing! I can't believe the chairs are so comfortable in that church. It's for the missing! They're not here. They're not here yet. They have come. They have yet to come. I can't believe it. You guys do baptism that way. Why don't you do communion this way? And your complaining spirit has displeased God. That is an older brother spirit when we are trying to reach the lost for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, church? It's the theology of the missing. There are people that are not here yet. And we need to be consumed by that. We will spend money on those that are lost and far from God. Because they're lost. They're missing. And let the heart of God rescue other people. That is why he sent Jesus to die the older brother sees the worst, while the loving father sees the potential. The older brother's like, you didn't even give me a goat. That's what he told his father. You didn't even give me a goat. The father turned around and said, they're all your goats. You, I, I'm entitled to this. That's, you didn't even give me a goat. The father said, I, they're all your goats. This is your field. This is where you belong. It's not about that. It's not about that. I pitch from fit sometimes too. How about you? Yeah? And God has reminded me the mercy and the grace that was given to me, John Miller, while I was yet a sinner even with a critical spirit. And that's why we do what we do every single week in, week out here at Abundant Life Church. Why? Because we know people are missing. That's why our A team, our our servant leaders in the church, our A-teams all across the campus today, all across the campus, why, wow, they're knocking it out of the park, because why? Because we have a theology of the missing, and I pray if you don't have a theology of the missing built into your life, you need to have a theology of the missing built inside of you, because there are a lot of lost people in this whole entire area, in this whole entire region that needs Jesus, that needs to come back to the Father. They are lost. What if we became a church that existed for the missing? Now, I believe that's our heart already, but what would happen if not only we as a church, but individually, we went out of here and said, man, this is about the missing. If we existed for the missing, we existed for the missing, and sometimes we get so caught up in what we have, the field. Father, you didn't even give me a goat And God says, I've given you the goat, the field's even yours as well. Hey, my son that was gone is now, he's come back. He's no longer dead. He is alive. And I want you to celebrate that fact. That is what will please the heart of the Father every single day, every single moment, every single service on why we do what we do here. We've forgotten many times. You say, we've, you know, now listen, the door hangers, we were talking about the door hangers. We, let me tell you something, those you had them in your seats give that to somebody we're going to have more door hangers for you and uh, we had we're having people pass those out but some of you are like i'm not going to pass them out in my neighborhood you know because you feel fear intimidation or that is your field there are people some are saying well i don't even know where to find the missing they're right next door they're perishing they're going to hell today the person in the next office over from you—that you, whatever you know—they're above you or below you or whatever it may be at work—they—they—they're they're, they're missing. On your campuses, they're missing. The the, the desk in front of you, behind you, side, whatever it may be, they are missing today. And the Father says, listen, I am looking to the hills today. This is great. I love you. I love the 99. But listen, listen, I'm going after the one that is lost, that's in need of me. And I will come. And that is what I've come. Jesus never came into an area, into a city and said, well, I'm going to go to those that look like me and act like me and talk like me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Jesus went into areas where people, there was a rejection of cultures and whatever it may be. Clash of culture, coming together. This is the day we live in. We understand that and know that. We are called to go out and have a theology of the missing for those that are still lost and are yet to be found. That is why this church is here. If you've ever wondered, that's why we're here. God has given you your neighbors. He's given you your neighborhood. He's given you your coworkers. That's your field. That's your field. Don't let somebody else in this church come in and put door hangers onto your neighbor, your neighborhood. When That's your field. Be the one that says, this is my neighborhood. This is what I'm going to claim. I'm going to walk and believe in Jesus' name. They're coming to you. They're missing, and they're going to be found in Jesus' name. You've heard us say this since the beginning of the year. What is an immediate win? Everybody wants to know what a win is. When a regular attendee brings an unchurched friend who decides to return to a life church. So when somebody that's regularly attending, you regularly attend here, you call this your church, you bring an unchurched friend who then decides to even return, that's an immediate win. That's great. Then there's the, there's the long-term win, and that is life change, because we're not responsible for life change. God is responsible for life change. Amen? We're just called to extend the invitation, and God's the one that changes heart. I don't change hearts. You don't change hearts. God changes hearts. He's the one that touches them. So for Easter, let's invite the missing. For Easter, let's go out of here. Let's invite the missing. Because there's many that are not here that should be here. So everything we do at Abundant Life Church, stuff we do, classes, services, is so so sin wrecked men and women could come and find Jesus and find hope. That's what we do. That there's a God who loves them and he's in the business of forgiving all of their sins. That's what we're called to do. And it's amazing that we get to do it.